All right, let's pray. God, we love you, and once again, we come before you. We ask, God, that as we turn our attention to your word in this corporate setting, that what Paul wrote to a church resonates with us. And we pray that the message that was given to them, which is very much applicable to our own life today, we can live out. So help us, God. Let your word, which is alive, it's active. Let it penetrate into our very beings, our very souls, and meet us where we are and challenge us to take steps of faith, to move us from places of comfort to places of trust and trusting you. Thank you for your word as we read, as we obey, it keeps us from evil. It keeps us from being unproductive. So thank you, God. We love you. We pray these things in your son's holy name. Amen. All right, so last week we kicked off a new series on the book of Philippians. And uh, if you were here last week, you know that we pretty much covered one word. Um, and that was Paul. And, and, and we spent much of 45 minutes talking about Paul and, and who he was and who he was before Jesus and, and, and who he is after Jesus and what God and Jesus were doing in his life. And, and, and then the history of the Philippian church, how he arrived on the scene and the things that took place to, to, to plant that church. And so you, you have the, the history last week uh, of how this church started. Uh, through the work of Jesus in this man, Paul, right? And so now today we kind of get into, into the, the meat of, of this letter. We, we, we jump in, starting in verse 3. So if you have your Bible, that's where you want to start. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. We're going to read through 11. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. God. Alright, so we got verses 1 and 2. Paul tells us who wrote the letter, Paul and Timothy. We talked about the saints, who it's written to, the overseers, the deacons. Uh, we, we talked about all of that, and then he really begins the first line of this letter with I thank my God every time I remember you. What a way to start a letter. In all my prayers for all of you, I, I always pray with joy because of your partnership 
what we are doing here. This letter to the Philippian church is, and I say foremost, a thank you letter that flows from the deep relationship that Paul had with this group of people. And within the relationship they had, they brought joy to Paul's life. He always prays with joy. Now, and I want you to think about your prayer life. I want you to think about the people that, that you pray for on a regular basis. Is, is there like just this one group of people that every time you think of them, and every time you, you bring them before the Lord in prayer, is, is, there, is there any group that every time they're joy? I'm telling you right now, man, I look at my prayer list. And I got some serious people in my life that bring me a lot of joy. Some of them are in this room. Alright? But every time, I mean, most of the time, it's like, oh goodness, Lord, these people and these people. And I, and I know that I'm I'm also on those very list with that same sentiment. Oh my gosh, could you just please do something with our minister, Lord? He's driving us batty right now. <laughs> That's going on with you. <laughs> Verse 8 says, He longs for all of them with the affection of Christ Jesus. I mean, not the affection of Christ Jesus, as you're going to hear in just a minute, was. I, I'm, I died on a cross for all of you because that's how much I cared for you. And that's how he longs for all of them. These are people that have, that have a deep, serious, committed relationship with Paul. These people were not a nuisance to Paul at all. You can read some of the other letters. Right, and he, he kind of changes a different attitude with some of them. I mean, he, he, he scolds them a little bit. He's a little, little harsher with some of them. Definitely the, the church at Corinth, man. I mean, those people had some issues and stuff. And, and, and he just, you get this sense that he is frustrated with those people because of their behavior and because of their, their, their neediness and, and where they are. And it, it's like parenting. And parenting, you know, there's the ebbs and flows of parenting. And, and some days, man, my kids are just awesome. They're absolutely amazing. On, on their worst days, they bring joy to my life. But there's some days, man, that they just they just cause joy to flow from out of me because my affection for them is so strong. And then there's those days, you know, those days. The days that they still... There's still the joy of your life, but you just want to wring your neck a little bit, or a lot of it. That, that, that's not Paul's relationship here. Paul wants this group of believers to know that he is grateful for the support and the gifts that they have given him as he advances the gospel. Like, this is a nothing but a thank you letter. And as you go through this letter, you get into the different chapters, and you're going to see this along the way. He is continually showing his appreciation. He is continually showing his gratitude for them over and over and over again. And it's one of the main lessons that I think we have to learn from this church. You know, there's, a, there's an internet quote that says, feeling gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping a present and not giving it. Is that you? 
I'm grateful for the things that people have done, but man, I just I, I, I just didn't say thank you. I didn't I didn't express my gratitude. Hey, when was the last time that you thanked your spouse for the things that they do in your life and for your family? And that goes both ways. Okay? When, when, when husbands, when was the last time you, you thanked your spouse? You thanked your wife for, for all the things that she does. And husbands or wives, when was the last time you thanked your husbands for all the things? I know all of y'all are working and you're all busy and you're all doing stuff and you're serving your family and you're meeting needs. When was the last time that you expressed gratitude toward the other? You know, I met with someone this week and walked into my office and, 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 and just unloaded. Said, man, in my life, in my faith, I'm not feeling fulfilled at all. I'm like, man, I'm sorry. So we talked about it. And as we discussed life, I asked, hey, when was the last time that you tr truly wrote down on a piece of paper all the things that you're thankful for in your life. I, I mean, you're sitting there and you're, 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 you're feeling that you're just trudging through life, that, that God is distant, that he's out there. When was the last time you sat down in a journal with a piece of paper and you wrote the things down so that you could visually see them that I am thankful for? I'm thankful for my job. I'm thankful. I may not like my job. I may want another job, but I'm thankful that I'm getting a paycheck. I'm thankful for my family. They, they, may, they may cause headaches in my life, but I am thankful that I have a family. We're going to get into this in a couple of chapters. Paul talks about worry, and he, and he tells us, that, that, that do not worry about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving in your hearts, present these things before the Lord. When we thank God for all he has done, we experience peace in spite of my circumstances. And there's a direct correlation between gratitude, joy, and peace. Paul is grateful. He's grateful to this church. He wants them to know that. He's grateful because of the partnership in the gospel. Now, now we read through that and, 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 and we understand partnership. Okay, uh, The word partnership here is the same word in Greek from Acts 2.42. Right? They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to breaking of bread and fellowship. And in, in the Christian church, especially in mainstream churches in, in America, this word fellowship, it became an event. It, it's something that the church does. The, the fish fry that we have on the 24th is a fellowship event. The cookout that we had the other day is a fellowship event. And, and that's this interpretation that we give to this word fellowship. We assign it to an event that gets the people together. We have halls. We have entire buildings called fellowship halls. It's not what the word means. In, in its truest sense, in the Greek it's koinonia. 
in its truest sense, koinonia is sharing with others what God has given you. And, and this is not a material sharing. That they're certainly part of the Christian faith. I'm certainly supposed to share with those who are in need, but this, this koinonia, this fellowship, is that is that we are we should be sharing what God is doing in my life. And, and so when I'm sitting here and I'm studying the word and, and God reveals something to me, I should be willing to share that with other people. That's fellowship. When, when I have some breakthrough where I practice self-control or, or, or God provided some amazing blessing in my life, I should be willing to share that with other people. That's fellowship. That's koinonia. And, and so that's why Paul is grateful. Because of the sharing of what is going on within the gospel. So I talked to some kids last night. I got invited. I got a buddy that, uh, uh, that has done some tile work at my house. He's done some tile work at Mr. Jimmy's house. His name is Carlos. And uh, Carlos and I just become friends. And Carlos goes to a church, Hispanic church over uh, southeast side of town. And he's like, hey, man, I want you to, can you come speak to my youth group? Hey, can you come speak to my youth group? I'm like, oh, man, you know, I can do it. Uh, you know, how's, where's it going to be? What's going on? He goes, man, my wife will have tamales. I'm there. Okay, that's it. His wife makes some amazing, amazing tamales. And so, and I got this big old bag of tamales. I got paid in tamales last night. It's, it's awesome, right? And so we're sitting there, and we're sitting there with these kids, and he had, he had this, this list of questions, and there's this little girl, she's actually in Stella's age, at Stella's school, Stella doesn't know who she is, um, and so I, we gotta get that hook connected, and, and she is the daughter of the minister at the church that they go to. And, and she she's like, asking me this question, kind of broke my heart. She says, does your daughter, is she able to come to you and, and to ask you about life, and to ask you questions of, of, about what's going on. And I'm like, here's Stella's approach, because yes, she does. Alright? I'm gonna embarrass her right here. Alright? Like, like she'll still crawl up in my lap. 13 years old, she'll still crawl up in my lap. Now, here's what Stella does. She informs me that we need to have a conversation. Okay? And this is what she does. I need to speak to Pastor Sykes right now. Alright? And so Pastor Sykes is, hey, I just want your biblical advice on how to handle a situation or answer a question. Okay, then sometimes I, I need to speak to my dad or Michael. You know, she calls me Michael, and I actually like I, I need to speak to Michael today about this. That would always involves money, okay, and permission and permission to go do something. And, and, and so, like that's all right, man. We can. We can, because of the environment, we can sit there and, and we can have these conversations. And she's like, I, I can't talk to my dad. He's always with other people. And he's always serving the church. And when he gets home, he tells us he's just, he's tired and he doesn't have, he does not have the time or the desire to talk to us about our days and what's going on. And so I challenged her. I said, how about this? How about you initiate the conversation? She's like, how do I do that? I'm like, well, just ask him, what's God doing in your life? Dad, can you articulate that right now? Because I want to know. I want to know what God is doing in your life. 
That's what Paul's thankful for. He's thankful for their fellowship. He's thankful for their, their koinonia. Thank you for your partnership. What God is doing in my Paul's life because of the gospel. I'm in change right now as I advance the gospel. What is going on with me right now is that I've been arrested for sharing the gospel with others. And my current circumstances, though they be miserable, are encouraging other people to share the gospel too. That's what's going on with me. And I'm grateful that I could come to you, Philippian church, and share with you. When we started LifeBridge 11 years ago, we changed our entire philosophy on how we handle and support our missionaries. We, we refer to them as mission partners. So when you look at our bylaws and everything, we, we have mission partners. We wanted to, to add that partnership there and not just use the word missionaries because in, in every church I've been a part of, the missionaries were people that we just sent money to and they just did things in other parts of the world. And every now and again, we'd get a report back. And we said, not so here. And, and as God has created us to be in a relationship with one another, and Paul was this missionary, he had a deep partnership with this church. And you're going to see that unfold in the weeks to come as we continue to get as we continue to get into this. And so we have told everybody, there's going to be a partnership here where we come to you, where we see you, where we visit you, where you come to us. We want more than just a receipt where we gave some money. And we've been able to do that. And, and here's the thing. We, when we started, when we merged the two churches, each church had their own set of missionaries. We explained to the list of missionaries that we were going to be making some changes. And if you didn't want to partner with us where we were going to be involved, if, if you wanted, if you didn't want us in your business, build relationships with you, let us know. And I'm telling you right now, we had two or three. We had two or three that said, man, if you could if you're going to require more than money, we're out. That's what Paul's thankful for. Partnership that he has. And then jump to verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Church, this is one of our core verses that support our vision of becoming like Jesus. This is, this is what is called sanctification. It's a Bible word or progressive sanctification, if you will. God's desire for us is that we don't stop at the cross. We don't stop at the, I'm surrendering my life to you. I, I am being baptized. I'm accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He doesn't want you to stop there. Okay? He does not want you to only believe in who Jesus is. He wants you to believe the stuo, all in. And he wants you to become like his son. Like if you, if you are a follower of Jesus today and you hear my voice, you must hear this. He wants you in your life to become just like his son. And so, and we're going to talk about the sermon in a couple of minutes, which is a really big deal and a really important piece becoming that. If you're the same person today that you were five years ago, that you were ten years ago, that you don't reflect and look any more like Jesus, man, we might have some issues. 
Man, you might, need, you might need to start praying to the Lord. Reveal to me, Lord, what's missing. Reveal, open my eyes, Lord, to the things that are not pleasing to you that I may remove them from my life. So this is God's desire for every one of you, that you become like Jesus. And you do this, church. You do this, you do this, you do this. Become like Jesus when you do the things he did the way he did them. Paul, in his letters, tells us more than one time, imitate me, people, as I imitate Christ. So as I imitate Christ, I'm, I'm imitating what I know of Jesus, and so my life is going to be a reflection of Jesus. You do the same thing. So if you think about this verse 6, it's one of our core verses when it comes to our, our, our vision. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. As I was thinking about this, and I've got sermons written just on that one verse, but as I was thinking about this, like, who needs to hear this? There's two types of people that need to, need to remember this verse. Okay? They do all of you good, but there's specifically two types of people. First off, disciple makers. Man, if, if you are intentionally engaging and investing in the life of someone, man, then you need to remember that the person you are investing in, man, they're going to make mistakes. They're, 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 going, to, they're going to backslide. And I, I, I got a guy that I'm discipling right now, I meet with him just about every week, talk to him three or four times throughout the week on the telephone. Called me up, and he's like, man, I, I messed up big time. And I'm not going to get into the details of it, but he's like, man, I messed up big time. And I'm like, you did, you're right. Here's what you need to do. And, and part of me is like, are you not getting this? Every parent knows this, and, and we'll get to the parent in just a second. Because when you intentionally invest in somebody, you're going to see fruit, and it's going to be amazing. And you're going to feel good, and you're going to feel like an all-star, because you're like, oh, look at me, I'm spending time with them. And they're learning things, and, they, and they're, they're coming to life, and you're going to see things, and then you're going to see behaviors that are like, where'd you get that from? What are you talking about that? That's, that? that's what happens. You guys have seen this video on the internet, I'm sure. This, this depicts the very thing that we're talking about. Let's see if we can get it. <laughs> journey, it's progressive sanctification. It's going to happen over and over again. And it happens in your life. You do the same thing. The, the second group of people that need to hear it is parents. Parents, you need to remember this verse. And you, you're raising little disciples in your house. And, and, and they, they move from this, this sweet and this cuddly stage. I mean, they smell good and, and it's just all adorable and everything is, is just you know, great. And then the terrible twos and threes come along. And if it's your first time experiencing twos and threes, you think that a 
demon has possessed your child at some point in time. And you're like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with you? Like, we need to you know, lay hands on you. We need to cast this demon out. But then you realize as they enter middle school that two and threes is nothing compared to how they act and behave as a, as a preteen. And then a teenager. And parents, as you are raising your children, putting God first, you need to realize that they're God's children. Okay? He's entrusted them to you. And I know that you know, the IRS lets you claim them and all that good stuff, and you get tax deductions with them, take advantage of all that good stuff and everything. But they're gods. They're, they're gods, and he is the one that is going to do the work in them. So when you invest in them and you're patient with them, God's doing this really good work. And here's the thing you need to remember. It's not going to be completed this side of heaven. The work is not going to be completed this side of being in the presence of Jesus. Now, jump down to verse 9. We can start the sermon. Paul's prayer, right? So we finally get to Paul's prayer. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. You know, it's interesting to me what Paul is praying here. You know, like he's, he's praying for the church. He's praying for these people. And, and, and so, so picture writing to us. And I'm like, what, what would my prayer be for, for LifeBridge? And I think about that. And, and here's the thing. He did not pray. Lord, here's my prayer. That they no longer, that they no longer miss church for work. Ooh, I stepped on your toes. He didn't pray that though. You're off the hook. He didn't pray that, that you would attend church more. He did not pray that they would sing more passionately, study the Bible more. He didn't pray that. He did not pray here that y'all would study the Bible more. He did not pray that you, you dig a little deeper into your pockets and give more. And here's the thing. None of those things are bad. You need to be doing all those things. Okay? You need to be coming to church more. You need to be praying more. You need to be studying more. You need to be giving more. All those things are good. They're great within the context of the church setting. He is praying that they have an increasing love for one another. That's what he prays. He prays for the church. That your love will increase. That your love will abound more and more. Did you know, we're going to do a sermon series on this next year, so if you don't know, buckle up because you're going to get to know, that almost 60 times in the New Testament, we are told to one another, one another, right? Like, I mean, we talk about relationship a lot here at LifeBridge because relationships are everything to the Lord and, and, and to how we were created. And in the New Testament, we're told to forgive one another. We're told to carry one another's burdens. I mean, we're going to, we're going to talk about a lot of those in, in the coming years. Love one another is certainly at the top of the list. The usage of the, of the word love here, it's that word you know, agape. In the Bible, there are four types 
of love. Okay, now we're not going to cover all the rest of them. Uh, psychology today says that there are seven types, but we're going to stick to the Bible. Agape, you know, is the highest, most challenging form of love for humans. Agape is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. Agape is a choice you make. That's what it is. And agape cannot be described without the word sacrifice. Any and every definition of this Greek word involves you making a choice that is going to lead to you making sacrifice on behalf of someone else. Jesus demonstrated agape on the cross. He chose to be the propitiation for all mankind. He did this by sacrificing his perfect life, bearing the weight of all sin for all of humanity. It's not on the screen, but, but 1 John 2 says he is the propitiation for our, our sins. And not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world, even the people who choose to reject him. He still takes their sins upon himself. He steps in front of the wrath of God. Now, now there's consequences, okay? But he chooses to love everyone regardless of their treatment or their view of him. That's a God thing. So here's Paul's prayer. I'm going to Michaelize this for you. That you, church, choose to sacrifice more and more for others. That's what he's asking you to do. See, see, agape is not let me fit this into my schedule when I can. It's not agape. Agape is, I'm going to, to choose to say no to something else so that I can say yes to sacrificing for you. That's agape. How's that make you feel? That's what he prayed for. So what does it mean, though, when he says that your love may abound more and more in knowledge, in depth of insight? Jesus, Jesus talked about love a whole lot. He didn't sprinkle in the word knowledge and, and discernment here, did he? What's, what's Paul writing to the church? We, we know that knowledge is information and understanding. That's what the word is. Information and understanding. So I, I'm praying that your love may abound more and more in information and understanding. Now, he's not talking about knowledge of the stock market, okay? He's not talking about knowledge of you know, the rules of golf or something like that. It's knowledge of God and his ways, and in particular, the manner in which he loves sinners like you and me. I think it's important that, that when we try to figure this out, that, that this understanding piece of, of, of what Paul's talking about, I think it's important to pay attention to how Jesus treated people and not just what he taught. We, we, we love to study the scriptures and everything, but rarely do we ever just look at the actions of Jesus. 
This is what he did. This is what's written between the lines. This is how he treated people. And in spite of being challenged, even though he's teaching and talking, this is how he is treating them. And this helps us to understand how he loves people. And so this love that we are to have in increasing form is to increase in our knowledge and then to increase of depth of insight, the NIV says, or discernment which simply is the ability to judge well. Why do I need the ability to judge well? Well, we can really spend a lot of time on this. Is it so I can be selective? Right? Is it so, so I can be selective as who to love? I mean, that person over there is high maintenance. Now, I'm not going to choose love them right now, okay? Let me tell you. Hey, that person right there, they, they got a little bitter streak in them, so I'm just going to avoid them. Hey, those people are, are ungrateful. Hey, those people are needy. Hey, those people use people. So I'm, I'm not, I need judgment here so that I can choose who to love and who not to love. It's not what it's talking about. Jesus, Jesus chose to love every one of those examples that I just gave. How do I know that? Because he loves me. And I've been every single one of those things. So why do I need the ability to judge well when it comes to love? Here's the thing. If we're, gonna, if we're going to live in intentional relationships with one another, where we love each other enough to be intentional, then we need to have depth of insight. This is what Warren Wearsby says. Loving with discernment means that you never communicate your affection or support for them in such a way that they feel free to continue in a lifestyle of unrepentant sin. If you in any way endorse their behavior or minimize its immorality or simply write it off as if everyone is entitled to live as they please, or if you love in such a way that you are fearful of passing judgment on them, you have failed them. You have not loved them well. You have thrown discernment out the window. We must have judgment in our relationships so that we can hold one another accountable, which is an incredibly important piece to the relationships of being part of the body of Christ. Do you love people enough to have tough conversations with them where, they, where, where you are willing to have tough conversations about their behavior? Are you willing to do that? I mean, you have that love for your children. You're willing to have tough conversations about the behavior of your children. And you know this to be true. In order for me to have that conversation with anybody, or for anybody to have that conversation with me, there has to be relationship. Okay, now, now, now we could do it, right? Like, you could just come up to me if you don't know me, and you could say, hey, man, this behavior was this and this and this, and I'm going to probably be like, who are you? Whatever. I'm not going to listen to you. But if the men in my life come to me and they say, hey, Sykes, what's up? Why are you doing this? Why are you behaving this way? If Jeff Beckham ever questions my behavior, it's an instant red, okay, what's going on, man? He, he's, he, he, you've heard me say it, he's got refrigerator ice. 
right? Do, do you, you've got to have some people in your life who have refrigerator rights, that you're, you're in that deep of and serious of a relationship with them where, man, they can just show up at the house, they can just let themselves in, and it's no big deal, okay? They know where the hide a key is and all that kind of stuff. They know the code to get into the garage or whatever, and they just have access to your refrigerator. They just show up. Do you have people in your life who have refrigerator rights? that feel comfortable enough just to go in your house and open up your refrigerator and help themselves. That, that's the level of relationship that Paul is talking about in this sense. And here's the thing, this applies to more than just my literal refrigerator. Do people have the refrigerator rights to your soul? <laughs> Someone who can speak directly into their life. That's what Paul is praying here. And that's the judgment piece, that I'm able to judge well. Not to judge who you are and the mistakes that you made. Do you believe that you want that, church? Not to judge you in that bitter manner, but to judge you in a place that helps you grow in your faith. I've been studying the book of Hebrews a lot, and I stumbled upon this popular verse. It's Hebrews 10, 24-25, and I promise we're about done. And, and, and here's, what, here's what the author writes. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So here's, here's, here's the interesting thing about this. Every time I've used this, every time I've heard this, it has been in the context of the large group setting. We use this when you miss church. Hey, brother, just, you know, let us spur one another on toward not getting up meeting together, you know? Come on, we missed you the past couple of weeks. All that's well and good. But I think we're missing the mark when we keep this verse right here. I broke this down phrase by phrase. I'm only going to give you one. This is not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Now, when I hear the word encourage, it's almost football season. I think it's cheerleaders. Uh, I think it's cheerleaders are on the sidelines, man. They got their they got their pom-poms, they got their skids, they got their things. I think of Albie, you know, running around. He's the coolest mascot in the nation. And he's pumping up the crowd and everything, and he's doing his thing. And and I mean, I just that's 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 what I think of. I, I, I think of a cheerleader coming along saying, Come on, man, you can do it. And you got this. Let me help you out. What's it gonna take to get you back to church? I don't think it's about Sunday morning. Because of what this phrase, but encourage one another means. This is actually a cross-reference to another verse. Chapter 3, verse 13, not coming up here. It says, you must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. That, that's the direct understanding of what this author is saying about encourage one another. It, it, it's that, that this... This is about holding you accountable so that your heart is not becoming hardened. Let me tell you where that doesn't happen, church. That does not happen in large group settings. It's not where it happens. 
It's ineffective. Encouraging one another the way this author of Hebrews means is done on the small, intimate scale in relationship. That's why Paul prays that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of himself. And you know the desired outcome? I mean, you like you get something from this. So that you may be able to discern what is best. Boy, we can talk about that. But that you will be pure and blameless day of Christ. Now I've got to ask you, this is for you to think on your own as you walk out of here. Paul is praying for an increasing love that hopefully leads to you standing before the Lord saying, I am pure and blameless because of my ever, ever, ever increasing desire to choose to be a sacrifice for you. Stand before the Lord today and be pure and blameless in your life. That's the criteria. Our sins are washed away, praise the Lord. But when it comes to your view and treatment of other people, could you stand before the Lord today and say, I am pure and blameless because of the increasing amount of love I have for you? You know, it's been about six weeks, I think, uh, since I talked about year one more. We started the year out with that, asking you to have a one more in your life, somebody in your world, somebody that doesn't have a relationship with the Lord or is drifted away from the Lord, and pray for this one more. And, and it, has been, it has. It's been about six weeks. I went back and looked at some notes, and, and we, we challenged you. We challenged you to be praying for a specific person. I think this is a great opportunity to, to rekindle that. Who's the one more in your life that this prayer of Paul's? Who's the one more that can benefit from this? Because we close in prayer, I want to pray another one of Paul's prayers over you. And then we will continue on with our response. It's not coming up here on the screen, but it's 1 Thessalonians. This is what Paul prays to that church. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as mine does for you. May he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his glory.